You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Hebrews chapter 8, I want to just turn us towards this scripture, these 13 verses that exalt Jesus as reality. He is the bridge to reality. He's the bridge to our eternal purpose and our eternal reality. This world as we know it is here and gone but a vapor. And so Jesus came and he became this bridge between the here and the now and our eternal reality before a living God. It's Jesus and we've, we've looked at that now. Week after week after week as we've gone through the book of Hebrews, we've seen Jesus exalted as what the writer of Hebrews calls our eternal high priest, our great high priest. He uses this language that for the Hebrews was familiar language. It was this language of this mediator between the divine and humanity. And he says, hey, you guys, you guys know about these ones who would come and they'd offer sacrifices before the Lord and offer worship before the Lord and they became a representative of God to humanity, of humanity before God. Well, you know what the fulfillment of that is? It's Jesus. Jesus is the great high priest. That's what the, the writer of Hebrews has unpacked for us now in the first seven chapters. And in Hebrews chapter seven, he exalted Jesus as the eternal high priest. The one who in eternity right now, before the throne and forever will be, is the mediator, is the bridge builder, is the bridge himself. It's Jesus, our eternal high priest. So he's continuing to expound on that now in Hebrews chapter eight, speaking of Jesus as our bridge to reality. And this is the language he's gonna use. I want us to look at this. Let's just pray before we look at God's word. God, we receive your holy word now. May it be sustenance to our soul. Holy Spirit, come and give us eyes to see. Give us hearts to receive from you. Good Father, you know all the needs represented in this place. And by your spirit, you can come and apply your word appropriately. Applying it to hearts. Opening, us, opening up our eyes to see you in reality. And that's my prayer this morning. In your precious name, amen. Hebrews chapter eight, uh, it says this. Now the point in what we are saying is this, that we have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven a minister in the holy places in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. So Jesus, right now, our high priest, is in the the real tent, the real heavenly dwelling place of God in fullness. And so he's pointing Jesus, or he's, he's exalting Jesus as our high priest, the one that came to bridge the gap between our here and now, this temporary world, to this ultimate reality in the presence of majesty. The Hebrew listeners, they were familiar with this idea of a tent, of a tabernacle, or of a temple in later days, in later generations. And so, so they're saying the true tent, the true tabernacle, the true temple actually exists right now in the heavenly place. And Jesus is our bridge 
to that heavenly reality. Jesus is the bridge to reality. Let's keep reading. It says, for every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for this priest also also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy, a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. So he's using that same language again. That was a copy, it was a shadow, it was a reflection of what? Of a reality, a heavenly reality. So what God graced, humbly graced Moses with as he called him up the mountain was a glimpse of the heavenly reality. And he said, Moses, remember the pattern I gave you. It was, it was the heavenly, like full vision of the, the, the heavenly throne room of God. He said, now go create a, a pattern of that. Create a copy of that on the earth. A humble a humble copy of that. That's why there, there's so much precision as to Moses' instructions in regards to every facet of the tabernacle and in later generations, every facet of the temple because it was patterned after something. It wasn't the fabrication of Moses or the fabrication of, of David or of Solomon. It was a vision of the heavenly reality that exists in the heavenly places right now. It served as a copy or a shadow. Verse six, But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it's enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. That former covenant served a a role for a time being to simply open up the hearts of humanity, first Israel and then the rest of humanity, to the fact that there's something more. There's something more than what you lay your eyes on on this earth. As you traverse the earth, you realize that there's something more. And then God stepped down, first in the form of this old sacrificial system and temporarily bridged the gap between the divine and between, between humanity. But then Jesus came with a better way, with the way, to, became, to become the ultimate bridge to reality, to mediate. That word mediate is the same language in Greek that would have been used for a friend to pay a debt. For somebody to go and post bond for someone to get out of jail. Post bail for them to to be released. That was Jesus. He was the one who came and mediated this covenant. Now, don't misconstrue the word covenant. Covenant can easily conjure up ideas like we're coming to the table to negotiate something with God. That's not what's being communicated in God using the language of covenant. I would say an even better translation of that Greek word that's translated to covenant is the word will. God has revealed a will and it's our, it's our responsibility to either receive it or reject it. That's about all we bring to the table. It's either we're gonna receive it or we're gonna reject it. There's no negotiating that happens when it comes to God's covenant and ultimately to his will. He has revealed that now perfectly in this better way, in this best way, in the person of Jesus as the great high priest, as the great bridge builder from this temporary 
to, the, to, to our ultimate reality in the heavenly places, our eternal reality. Verse eight, for he finds fault with them when he says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. I love how God's word weaves together prophetically his redemptive plan for us. This was spoken centuries prior to the prophet Jeremiah. The days are coming when I'm gonna bring a new covenant for the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant, verse nine, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law into their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest for I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is, is, what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So Jesus came and established the covenant, the way to step into reality. And in doing so, he made that old system obsolete. Not that we can't learn from it, not that it, we remove the Old Testament from our Bibles, but we see that it was just pointing us towards a better way. It was pointing us towards a better day. And I thank God that I get to live in this moment in human history. This moment in human history when the Messiah has been revealed, when the Savior has been revealed, when the ultimate bridge builder has been revealed. Some people question me as to why I get so passionate about Jesus. And this, this language of Jesus being the bridge to reality just quickens my heart so much. It, it gets me so excited. It gets me, it stirs my heart. Because at a young age, I, I, just, I realized how, how little this world could offer me. How this, this world seemed to be so messed up. And then Jesus, the bridge builder, intervened. He encountered my life. He, he met me. And he invited me out. And I feel like I've been living in this, this other reality ever since. And that's available to all of us. That's available to every single one of us. There's a quote here I wanted to share with you from John G. Lake. He said this, we were made in the image and likeness of God. Sin is a perversion and sickness an imposter. And the grace and power of God through the Holy Ghost delivers man from all bondage of darkness. And man in all his nature rises into union and communion with God and becomes one with him in the truest sense. One in the thoughts of God, one in the aspirations of God, one in the spirit of Jesus Christ as the savior of man. So that is the gospel. The sin, sickness, and the curse entered the world and messed it all up. And how Jesus came to reconcile and to bring us back into the heavenly reality. The reality that was there in the garden to walk in communion and union and relationship with God, and now that is ours. So the invitation is here this morning for us to stop playing around in cheap copies, in illusions of reality. I'm 
kind of a thrill seeker myself. I, I love thrill parks or theme parks. I mean, my family, we've gone to a lot of different theme parks around the country. I just, I love the exhilaration of it, the adrenaline rush of it. But there's, there's a reality of thrill, theme parks and thrill parks that it is, it's a, it's a curated form of a thrill that's, that's not real. My life is not really in danger. I'm securely fastened there and it's been perfectly engineered and curated for me to have a thrill without actually having a risk. But if you take a, a walk around a thrill park, around a theme park, and you, you peer backstage, you realize, oh, this is, there's, there's mechanics to this being manufactured to create an illusion of a thrill, to create an, an illusion of adventure, but it's not real. I, I feel like many, many people live their lives on this earth in that way, with these illusions of something great, illusions of reality. And Jesus has stepped in, offering us the path out, the bridge out into a true life of adventure which seamlessly gets ushered into our eternal life with him. There's, I believe, three common illusions of reality that people fall prey to, that they grab a hold of. One is religion. Religion is an illusion of reality because it provides a fragile covering to hide behind. It's the covering of exterior behaviors and hypocritical self-righteousness that never impacts the substance of our life. I'll show you the reality of your faith in, and your love for Jesus by peering into the backstage of your home, the backstage of your life, which is your home and your marriage, the secret place. Is, is, your, is your faith and your love for Jesus bearing fruit there? If not, then we need to get on our knees before the Lord and say, invite me into the reality of this thing, Jesus. There must be something missing. I must be settling for a cheap copy. I must be settling for an illusion of reality. This is the sort of thing that we see common in America when people take on the name of Christian, but in their homes or outside of church, they live like anyone else. These are the ones that Jesus called out when he said, you clean the outside of your cup, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. You're like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautifully outwardly, but within you, you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus, the bridge builder, the great high priest, has come to build a bridge from this illusion, this copy, this shadow, this reflection into an ultimate reality, an eternal reality with him. A second illusion of reality is, is entertainment. And entertainment provides this escape that looks like purpose and it looks like thrill, but is completely hollow and never satisfies. It was once said, I believe this was Tozer, he said that the church that can't worship must be entertained. So we see that now in the church. Churches have to work really, really hard to just fill the seats, whatever it takes, whatever we have to do to entertain the people and keep them coming back because we're not in awe and wonder of the Lord. Like we're not really enamored by his majesty and by his beauty. I'm not saying that we can't use moderation or we can't use entertainment in moderation. Obviously we can. There, there, is, an, there is an ability to have simple delights 
in the, the joys of everyday life. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about an addiction to entertainment that, that we all know exists in this modern age. I'm talking about a need to be filled with something constantly. It's been said that the more a man has, as, as, has in his own heart, the less he will require from the outside. There can be this excessive need for support from without, which is a proof of the bankruptcy of the inner man. A third illusion of reality is materialism because it provides us with a quick hit of something new and shiny, but we know it's temporary and it's disposable. It will, it will soon end up in the, the trash heap, literally. And the truth about materialism is that it becomes an enslavement. The more we have is the more it requires us to maintain and keep clean or upkeep. But Jesus, the great, uh, the great bridge builder is coming and he's inviting us out of that into this life of simplicity and love and faith and contentment in him. Where those things don't draw us the same way they used to. He's calling us into an eternal reality. An ultimate reality with him. Remember a number, a number of years ago, uh, soon after we came became pastor, I believe it was 2018, me and my wife traveled back out to Seattle where we were uh, before we moved here to attend a wedding. And while we were out there, we um, met up with a Kyle alumni that had been out there working for Microsoft. You may have heard of that company. It's a pretty big deal. But um, she worked for Microsoft and uh, she was, she had already gotten her master's in artificial intelligence and she was working with virtual reality uh, things and she had brought home, with, I don't even know if she was supposed to do this, but she had in her backpack this virtual reality headset that they were designing specifically for medical, medical uses so that surgeons and doctors could place these vir uh, virtual reality headsets on and be able to see things virtually. I'm, I'm talking beyond what I know. Uh, they'd be able to use it for medical uses. And uh, so she let us take these on. And so here we were, this was right after the wedding. And uh, me and my wife were still in our, like our best, our wedding best um, in formal attire. There we were in her small one bedroom apartment in Seattle and we had these virtual headsets on. And instantly we were transported to another place. You know, you know how it works. But it's not real. It's in the name, it's virtual. It's artificial. So although it can seem so thrilling, it can seem so tangibly, substantially real, we take the headsets off and there we are. There we are still. I'm still wearing, I was still wearing my suit and there I was lounging still on her couch. Like nothing had changed. Even though it can feel so, so real. And so I come to you with God's word this morning, just pleading you to see the invitation that he's giving us as the bridge builder to our, uh, an ultimate reality with him, an eternal reality with him. Jesus is that bridge builder. Let us worship him. The picture at the beginning of Hebrews chapter eight is him in majesty, him in the throne room, seated at the right hand of God. We need a revelation of the exalted Christ. The good news of Jesus does not stop at Calvary. We spend a lot of time talking about the power of atonement, the, the atoning work of Christ. 
And I pray that that never stops, that never ends. But the good news continues with the reality of the resurrected Christ. The resurrected Christ that proved his power over sin and power over death. His ascension, which preached to all of creation that he was high, high and exalted above all, preeminent above all, to the, form, to the point that he was seated at the right hand in majesty. Pray that that vision of Jesus high and exalted will just cause you to be undone in a fresh way. There is this eternal reality that this whole story is trending towards, which is all of creation gathered around the throne of his glory. That's where this is headed. And so Jesus came 2,000 years ago and he established this bridge. Out of this artificial, synthetic reality into an ultimate eternal reality with him. That's where this is headed. That's where this is headed, friends. As we go through uh, Hebrews chapter eight, he said this was the, the um, Old Testament sacrificial system of tabernacles and temples. It was just earthly shadows. It was a copy. That means the earthly priests were shadows. They were just a dim reflection of what was coming. That's why he said, make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you. Moses caught a vision of reality and he then had a mandate to create a copy of it, to simply plant the seeds of good news that was coming. And it's Jesus that is the mediator of that new way. He is that bridge builder, the one who stands in the middle between two, enemy, or two uh, parties that are our enemies, us before a holy God. There's nothing that could bring us into the presence of a holy God if Jesus himself didn't come to mediate God's will amongst humanity. So what is this better covenant that the writer of Hebrews talks about? He quotes the writer of, or he quotes the prophet Jeremiah to tell of this better covenant. I'm gonna invite Scott to come forward to the keys. What is this better covenant? What is this better, better covenant that leads us to reality? Well, it's a covenant available to all people. Both Israel and Judah, all people, he makes that clear. This invites us to the reality that what Jesus came to bring was the opportunity for every individual. Through personal revelation and personal encounter, with reality to respond to God. It was A.W. Tozer that said, whatever else it embraces, true Christian experience must include genuine encounter with God. If it doesn't, then religion is a shadow or a cheap, a cheap reflection of a reality or a copy of an original once enjoyed by someone else whom we have heard. This is for all. I hope I made that clear when I shared from Hebrews chapter seven. Jesus coming and establishing himself in the order of Melchizedek broke open the floodgates because Melchizedek wasn't Jewish. He didn't come from the line of, of the Levites. 
So in the sense of what a priest should be, Melchizedek was not. But yet Jesus, there's, there's part of what was revealed in Jesus that's fulfilled in the line of Melchizedek. And it's pointing, pointing us towards that day when the, the gates would be opened wide for all, for all to come. He revealed to us that he would be opening up the way for Israel first, but then also for us, for Gentiles as well. His will is that none would perish, that all would come to repentance. Those who feel like outsiders, those who feel like they've, they've done too much. I'm so appreciative to uh, the, the word that was given earlier. It reminds me of the woman caught in adultery. Jesus stooped down and said, where are your accusers? He'd already sent them away by reading their mail. He said, go and sin no more. He wasn't giving her a license to go and continue. He didn't give her the inside scoop on how to be a better adulterer. No, he said, get up. You've been created for something more. I'm inviting you into a better reality. Go and sin no more. All are in need of this bridge builder. So get up, stand up, go. This better covenant has opened the door for all. Secondly, it brings transformation from the inside out. Transformation from the inside out. And this is the only way to fulfill what God created you for is to submit your heart and your mind, the inner recesses of your heart. If you continue to, continue to content yourself with outward facades, you will be frustrated. You'll say this whole Christian thing is a, it's a farce, it's a, it's a hoax. Until you rend your heart before the Lord, say, God, have your way in me. I don't want games. I don't want illusions anymore. God, would you come, move in me and through me transform me from the inside out and the prophet Jeremiah said that day was coming when God would write his law on their minds and on their hearts the heart is the wellspring of life so he wants to transform the very source of our life and he wants to transform us through the renewing of our minds that's the transformation that this, this new way, this better way, this ultimate way brought This was so revolutionary. And I pray that this would continue to be revolutionary for you. It's the breath of fresh air that says this transformative work is not about you. It's not you performing more. It's you growing in more and more dependence on the Lord, allowing his grace to be demonstrated through you. Greater submission to him, greater surrender, greater love for him. And from that, Yes, his holiness will shine beautifully. He's going to write these things on your heart if you'll be open, if you'll be tender. He's going to transform your mind. So this, this better reality, this better covenant came for all. It brings transformation from the inside out. And thirdly, it's completely effective. We're, we're going to get into this more in the weeks to come. It's completely effective. The Hebrews... The, the Jewish people, they were very familiar with the ongoing need for sacrifices. 
at the temple or at the tabernacle. They, they were very familiar with that system on an annual basis that reminded them of their need for the Lord, a need for a sacrifice. Well, Jesus came once and for all, and that's going to be the language, spoiler alert, once and for all, Jesus came as the perfect sacrifice, as the perfect lamb of God. It deals with sin effectively. You know, the sacrificial system didn't deal with our sin. It just put off God's judgment for another year. When Jesus came, he came and dealt with our sin. He can actually come and cleanse our sin from our lives. His blood deals with sin in the inner recesses of our heart. If we'd all stand in this place. so much more that I would have loved to share, but I'm just trusting the Lord here. I was caught by this, and tonight I'm going to share more about this. Um, I just feel like we're on the, the cusp of something beautiful happening, erupting right now on the earth, and I pray that we would have eyes to recognize it. There's some significant passages in Isaiah 60 and 61 I'm going to share about tonight in light of what the Lord is doing on college campuses, specifically in Asbury University right now in Kentucky. The Lord is getting our attention and I pray that we would have hungry hearts to be all in for what he wants to do right now. This is a quote from 20 years ago. It says, the emerging generation must have adventure in their lives. The devil often takes advantage of this, but God put it there for a reason. The final generations on this earth are going, to, are going to live the greatest adventures the world has ever known. There's no greater adventure than the true Christian life, and the true Christian life is about to be restored on the earth. Another quote from John G. Lake, he said, God has created, created us in his image, but the dirty, crooked-legged devil tries to make us look like him. The enemy has been trying to tinker with God's plan of redemption to usher us into reality. But Jesus is shining brilliant right, right now in this moment in human history to give us a glimpse of what he desires to do on the earth. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.